This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it, please stop it. (laughs) Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. It is a wonderful Wednesday. It is You Better You Bet. It is Nick Costos. It is Ken Barkley, and it is you here with us on the BetQL Network. Simulcast for the next two hours by our friends at Stadium, and it's going to be a badass two hours of wagertainment coming your way. 40 minutes from now, we'll be joined by the host of the NHL on TNT, Liam McHugh, ahead of a badass doubleheader TNT will be running tonight. Flyers, Blackhawks in Chicago. Bruins, Oilers from Edmonton. Liam will talk about both of those games and who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Who's going to win the Hart Trophy? All sorts of NHL betting topics coming up with Liam McHugh later this hour on the show. Next hour on the show, we'll be joined by our friend Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and Betsperts. All of Rick's bets for the second half. In quotations, it's like 26 games. But the second half of the NBA season, Ken and I will talk coach of the year in the National Football League. I I think it's such a fascinating market. Can't wait to dive into it. If we've got some time, uh, we'll talk about teams that that I like to win the Super Bowl next year at the current market prices at our show sponsor, BetMGM. We still have to do a little bit more on college basketball futures as well. That's all coming up over the course of the next two hours. Final hour, Power Hour, will feature all our bets for tonight. But joining us right now to kick off the fun and frivolity here on this wonderful Wednesday on Stadium, the great Colin Wilson from the Action Network and the Big Bets on Campus podcast on Twitter at underscore Colin1, Colin spelled with two L's. It's been a while since we had Colin on the show, and it is always great to welcome him back to You Better, You Bet. Colin, welcome back to the show. It's Nick and Ken. How the hell are you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. First entering into the Elimination Chamber here. Hope I can start the show off hot. Uh, <laughs> been enjoying my naps and uh, studying up on all three college sports, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, college hoops, Colin, obviously, kind of taking center stage for a lot of people. I know, you know, people like you follow it, obviously, like the whole season, but a lot of us, and it's myself included this year, you parachuting in a little bit the last couple of weeks, especially the last week or so, watching a bunch of games. Nick and I both watched UConn lose to Creighton last night. And Nick, I think, has kind of been on like a quest. We've been trying to figure out who his teams are going to be. I've been trying to figure out who my teams are going to be to bet on to win the NCAA tournament. I think yesterday I would have said UConn and nobody else. And, and, you know, it's like, should I rethink that? Have you given a lot of thought to like, once we kind of get to tournament time, like here are the two or three teams and they could be the best teams. That's okay. The two or three teams, maybe you think have the best chance to win. Yeah. It's funny when I think national title is a good place to start because when you go from the day-to-day grind in college basketball, like whatever you see can completely bend the narrative that you have in your head and you really need to like go back to the drawing board and pretend like you didn't see UConn lose or pretend that Arkansas didn't go on the road against Texas A&M and win as a double-digit underdog because the regular season games are 
They're absolutely crazy, and I'm not sure they're going to matter once we get down the road. So I think this is a really good point. If, if you're watching college basketball the last couple of years since the pandemic, you've seen North Carolina come out of nowhere, go to New Orleans, and do the national title thing. Last year, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, who the hell could have guessed that these teams were going to go? So I spent a good, like, two, three weeks back in, I think it was right before bowls started in December, and I started researching everything I could on Florida Atlantic last year, North Carolina the year before. Is there one thing? Is it, is it experience? Is it the center position? Is it offensive rebounding? I went through all the stat court categories. I went through everything, and I could not find anything that tells me you're going to make a deep run in March Madness until I found – one certain aspect that I'm betting hard on for this upcoming March Madness, and that is three-player lineups. So let me go ahead and explain what that is. There are – I think I tweeted this out last night before Houston and Iowa State played, or maybe it was Monday. There are three-player combinations. You can look at their efficiencies up and down, offensive, defensive, what they are together, because essentially what's – you know, every coach is trying to play their best guys on the floor. They put pieces around them. But you want to know who the top three-man lineups are in the country. And once I applied that, when I backwards engineered that to last year, would you happen to know that, like, seven of the top three-man lineups in the top 100 were Florida Atlantic, like five were San Diego State, like eight of them the year before went to North Carolina? So if you go by that logic and say, if I just take the most efficient three-man lineups and I say that they're going to be the ones that make the deep run because you're going to have to have those lineups in in March – it's easy. It's Iowa State. It's Houston. Uh, those are the two that completely come off the top. And I, I bet those two. And TCU. Crazy enough, I think I tweeted this out. 22 of the top 100 three-man lineups belong to Iowa State and Houston right now. And TCU is not that far. So those are three teams right there that have very strong three-man efficiencies, offensively and defensively combined, and three teams that I am betting on for March Madness. That is an incredibly awesome answer from yeah. Colorado. You saw those two teams play the other night, obviously, in like an insane yeah, second Monday. half of scoring. Which, in, well, it's big Monday. It was big for my bankroll also because the game went over I've never the total, even which heard was absolutely that great. I've never That's... heard anything like that. I, it's this gonna. I, I don't mean this to like make me sound arrogant, like I have famous last words. Just like I feel like I know a lot of stuff. I spent a lot of time working on this stuff. I have never in my life heard this angle before, and it's awesome. It's really good. That's that's awesome, and that's a great approach like okay these two teams that nobody saw coming could we have seen it coming that's like that was a that was awesome that was really cool so colin can i can i ask a follow-up here and i know you gave us three teams and if there isn't another one that's totally cool you gave us uh tcu iowa state and houston was there another one that's maybe like off the beaten path where you're like ah but well maybe maybe not like a team that's on anyone's radar right now but maybe on your radar uh come march uh, come selection sunday so you gave us three is there another one that kind of stands out to you that might be a little bit off the beaten path? I, I mean, there's a couple of out there that have, uh, they're in the top 100 for having a three-man rotation that's highly efficient. But, you know, like Colorado had a couple of three-man rotations, and then they've just lost like every single game the last two weeks. So they're kind of at it. Kansas is coming on very strong. Uh, they look like they're going to be deep enough from the efficiency to, to make a run. And it seems like I'm focusing on, you know, the Big 12, but if you want me to step out and take some real long shots, Indiana State, I think 200 to 1 has a really good long shot aspect from a lineup perspective. Um, you know, Tennessee is out there, but that's not a long shot. As a matter of fact, I, I see like it seems like the bandwagon is jumping on Tennessee. 
Um, but from a long shot perspective, Indiana State really checks the boxes of everything I just said. Um, you know, Mississippi State kind of checks the boxes out there. Wisconsin checks those, checks those boxes. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, I think the time to take really long, triple-digit long shots is about come to an end. But from an efficiency perspective with three-man lineups, there is, there is still some very good 50-to-1-plus type teams out there to get. Colin, I know that was kind of an answer designed around like the winner of the tournament. And the answer to this could be Indiana State too, because they would qualify. Do you do you scout at this point or like think about like first round upset teams? Not teams like that you're talking about where it's like, I think this team could be San Diego State and play for the national championship, but maybe it's a team that can win two, three games, be seated really low. You know, obviously yesterday on the show we did like Grand Canyon and Samford and uh, you know, a couple other uh, McNeese State was another one. Like, you know, like they're we're, we're all kind of like starting to to notice these teams do you have a favorite one in that group like they're on the 12 13 line you're in yeah i think dayton is that team for me that i'm going to be hot on in the first round uh, they are a team that loves to shoot threes they'll they'll fire more threes than anybody in the nation and they play zero defense and it kind of reminds me of what we had with memphis and florida atlantic playing each other i think what second round last year first second round and i said whoever wins this game is going to have, like, completely from a matchup perspective, is going to be able to blow through their bracket. Uh, and that's exactly what Florida Atlantic did after they – that game with Memphis might have went to overtime. They were they were so uh, – the, the two teams were almost like each other. But Dayton is a team this year where if they get the right matchup, a team that can't defend the perimeter, a team that doesn't have good offensive rebounding, uh, if they get matched up with a team like that that can't handle a three-point shot, or what shot quality would say a, a uh, catch and uh, a catch and dribble, you know, a dribble three pointer or a catch and shoot three, then that's going to cause problems for people. So Dayton is definitely one of those teams I think can make a first round upset. You better, you better hear Nick and Ken on a Wednesday talking college hoops with the great Colin Wilson from the Action Network. Big bets on campus podcast on Twitter at underscore Colin one. Colin, of course, spelled with two L's. Uh, Colin, one of the themes that Ken and I were talking about in hour number one of today's show is how a lot of teams at the top of the odds board right now to win the national championship are teams that have been like dumped on over the years, right? That have had, you know, whether Purdue, Houston, right? Rick Barnes in Tennessee, like a lot of teams that have not had a ton of tournament success or have had a lot of high profile tournament failures. So if I read you a bunch of teams, right? Purdue is plus 650 at MGM, Houston's at nine, Tennessee's at 13, like Bruce Pearl and Auburn are 18. I know Auburn went to a Final Four. Is there a team, and maybe it's Houston based on one of the answers you gave previously, that you think could buck some trends this year and make a deep run? Who would it be and why? Maybe win the national title. Yeah, Auburn is one of those teams that I really like. It's just the price hasn't been there for me, Nick. I'm kind of late to the party with with Auburn. They have seven lineups in the top 100. Uh, They're right up there with Iowa State and Houston as far as uh, efficiency for offensive and defensive side combined. I have a real – and I'll sidetrack from that. The number just hasn't been right for Auburn. If I can get 25 to 1, which, I mean, I'm searching like 20, 30 books for it, and I'm waiting for them to maybe take a loss, maybe something embarrassing, maybe the number will drop a little bit, but I might have to settle for a 20 to 1. But that's definitely the team out of there. The, the conference I'm avoiding completely is the Big Ten. And I'll have to go back. I don't have the number right in front of me, but I, I think they're playing like 500 basketball in the last three March Madness tournaments in a row. Like – Besides Purdue making a deep run once in the last three years, they've been terrible. They've been awful. They've made no rumblings in the Final Four. They haven't contended for a national title. They're barely getting out of the first round. So I don't know what's going on with Big Ten basketball, 
but I will sample one team out of that conference, which is going to be Wisconsin, and, and that's it. I mean, I am not going to be heavily invested in the Big Ten whatsoever. So, Colin, you mentioned you kind of been doing work on all the different college sports. Definitely would love a, a college baseball thought from you maybe in a second. But, like, I kind of tune out on college football once the championship game happens. Like, I don't really do my work until the summer. And I'm really just focused. Like, a couple win totals. I care about who's going to win the national title and bet on that. But this time of year, like, I, I've tuned everything out. Is there something that's happened in the last month or the last few weeks, a piece of news, player movement, coach movement, coordinator movement, something that you think is really interesting from a betting standpoint in college football since, since we've all kind of checked out? Chip Kelly going to be the offensive coordinator at, at Ohio State is a blaring, loud signal for everybody that Ohio State is here to <laughs> do whatever they can, buy their way, play their way, coach their way to a national championship game. Uh, the fact that they were able to pull that off, to go out and get Chip Kelly, who needed to reset his clock anyways, the fact that they got Caleb Downs, the best player out of the transfer portal from Alabama, to come in and play safety in Jim Knowles' defense, uh, I'm not a big uh, – Ohio State seems to let everybody down, but considering the run Michigan just went on, how depleted the roster is going to be, the fact that Harbaugh is not there, which didn't matter much in those final three games, Ohio State is sending a flare out to the rest of the college football world that they are here to win the national title. They've got all the pieces. They, they've definitely they've got the quarterback in Will Howard who would match Chip Kelly's offense to a T. I'm not going to say Heisman yet. Still would like to do a little bit more work there. Um, but the fact that Chip Kelly is so heavy with pre-snap motion, getting as many guys on the line of scrimmage and running the ball, and Ohio State returns probably the best running back stable in all of you know college football – to me, that screams that Ohio State is here to play. Now, I, can they beat Georgia? I don't know. Can anybody beat Georgia? Uh, Ohio State, for me, definitely is either 1B or number 2 in the nation. I will say, I did love, and I'm a Giants fan who was happy to see him go because I think he like leaks tough to the media. I kind of liked the hiring of Wink Martindale as Michigan's uh, defensive coordinator going head-to-head with Chip Kelly coming up this season. Colin, let's close with this. About a minute to go. Um is there anything, and, and Colin's the best at this on Twitter at underscore Colin1, college baseball-wise, are there any bets that our listeners and viewers, and me and Ken, should be making right now in the great sport of college baseball? Well, it's interesting. You have to wait for the pitchers to come out before you bet on Fridays and Saturdays because that's what makes the line go from minus 200 to minus 1,200. It just depends. And so what I'm doing over at Action Network is I'm putting out projections, and you're going to see it come out tomorrow morning. Every weekend there's college baseball. I will project every single starting pitcher uh, matchup from a side and a total perspective, which is probably going to piss a lot of people off that are tops. But I'm going to put off uh, I'm going to put off sides and totals every weekend. And not only going to say like it's this Friday starter versus this Friday starter. Like I'm going to do Friday versus Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and their opponent. So you'll have every single combination possible, and that way when we know who the starting pitchers are. You'll know if there's huge value on one side, and you're going to have to end up taking some underdogs with some big run lines like what happened this weekend. I think a couple teams that I need to mention out of the gate here, one team that had value We have, for the a, we have 30 seconds left. That, Only about 30 seconds left. Okay. Okay, so I think the team that people might want to go by is North Carolina. They threw two true freshman pitchers this past weekend. I know it was Wagner. I know it was the neck. But Folger Boaz and Olin Johnson were fantastic for North Carolina as true freshman pitchers. They are definitely next up on the list in the futures department. I literally, I told Ken like three months ago to watch out for Olin Johnson in North Carolina. He didn't believe me. How about me. the jersey? I, 
It's fanatics, unfortunately, but still a good movie. No one wants to see any of our nipples or any any see-through in any of these fanatics jerseys. Colin, I was going to ask you about the main event of Night 1 of WrestleMania, but unfortunately, my friend, we've run out of time, which means we'll we'll need to do this again real soon. Big bets on campus, Action Network on Twitter at underscore Colin1. My friend, we love you. We appreciate you. Good luck with the bets. Stay well. We'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Thank you. What a, what a guy. How about that? Maybe we'll do a little bit more on that angle that he had coming up on the yeah. other side. Some more college basketball futures talk as well. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Shit. Gets past the defector and the lob there for Francis. Wilson here puts it on the deck, off the window, and one. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. ESPN with the call this past Monday night. Houston winning but not covering against Iowa State. Iowa State covering at the very end of the game. I can't, just as an aside, because I didn't do the show yesterday, I was watching, watching like the end of the game, like on mute in bed, like my wife's like falling asleep, and I'm like, oh, just, just remain calm here because I had the over they had like there was like eight points at the end of the first half combined and then they scored a billion points in the second half to go over man that felt good felt good that was uh, that was, back, a good game troops. right with, welcome back yeah welcome back <laughs> with Houston and Iowa State on uh on Monday night and in the last segment we had Colin Wilson on and Houston was one of the teams Ken that he talked about with this like three-man lineup efficiency and uh it goes noted to me at least when when you come on the air and say I I haven't heard that before that that was pretty cool and I think it goes noted that Houston, one of the teams that we've been talking about all show, maybe maybe this is the year for the Cougs and Kelvin Sampson and Shed and LJ Cryer, you know, Johnson, to get it done and maybe win the national championship. Champ, 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 champ. <laughs> uh, what's, and what's his new show? The one on NBC with uh, Donald but Faison. He's like bald, right? he's like bald yeah. with like a beard. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. Charlie Sheen's like, yeah, not in it, so I won't watch. Like, yeah, they're like, they set it up and they're like, oh, isn't this funny? Like in the trailer, it's like, and they're this. And I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> that's not funny at all. Like, why would that be funny? That's oh, welcome to welcome to network sitcoms. Um, yeah, that uh that uh angle really, really surprised me. I I love the approach though. Like, even if it like it happened to yield something that's really interesting, which he was able to give out to everybody and talk about, but just the angle of like all right, like, are there any commonalities with these things? Like, what, is there anything? And sometimes you're going to do that, and especially if there's only two teams, like, you don't know if that's actually a link or not. Like, it's just, it's two teams. Like, they're going to, what do they have in common? Well, they both have vowels in their name. Maybe like, like, it could be anything. Like, there could be any connection. Is it a real thing or not? Um, this one, like, feels an analytical enough that it, it might actually be something. And honestly, just what it speaks to, like, li- listen to what he's trying to say. Like, all right, like, these three-man combinations, like, what does that speak to? You know, like good players who are good at basketball and are good at doing stuff when they play together. Like I just, you know, it's like, well, okay, that seems pretty. That's pretty, pretty good idea. Pretty good to have some players that do that. Um, that Houston like has that many of them is probably unsurprising because they their record's incredibly formidable. Their stats are incredibly formidable. I don't think that's surprising. The fact that Iowa State has some of that is. Eh, just interesting, I guess would be the right way to put it. Because, like, what's the difference between Iowa State and Purdue? And, like, why why are the ED three-man combinations terrible? Like, why do those stick? He's the best player in the country. So there's some stuff there that's, like, that's kind of interesting. Um, I'll, I'll kind of augment his point with, like, one thing that I found that's just not, like, it has to be this, but something that tends to be true. Um, 
and the three man combinations, I guess, kind of plays into it. Uh, it's really rare to have teams make deep runs and especially win uh, that are deep, that use a lot of different players. It's actually not something that ha- you actually and think about how the NCAA tournament works and think about how it's different. Right. Um, you know, neutral sites. Sure. Uh, but I would think more about like the timing of the games. 75 commercial breaks. They don't, they take a, a team calls a timeout. They take a commercial break. If it's four <laughs> to play, right? yeah. how many times have we seen this at four Oh three to play, you know, team calls timeout. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Stoppage at three fifty nine. Well, that's the under four. Let's take another commercial break. Like, let's do it. And, um, and they're, you know, reckless almost with how, with how they do those things. And okay. Like how, what would that benefit if you were a team? Uh, it would benefit resting. Let's say you only use six players. That would really benefit you to have all this time um, to, you know, just re- recuperate and, and just like play at your best all the time. The number of stoppages is just so herky jerky all the time with these games. As you get later, it gets worse uh, in terms of how it plays out. So it, it, you know, not that it has to be that way. Also, what do we know about teams that win? They usually have a couple NBA players. So who cares if they're 10 deep? How, how good are your best? To Colin's point, how good are your best three? I would just say, like, how like how good are your best players? And that comes across in a couple different measurements. Ken Baum does, like, percentage of, like, points that come from the bench, bench continuity, all these kind of different, like, ways to, to look at this stuff. And you do find that, like, really only one, like, deep team has ever won, like a team that plays 9, 10, 11 guys. It's one of the North Carolina teams because, like, Roy would do that sometimes. If he had a lot of talent, he would play a lot of different players. I think it was the team that beat Gonzaga. It was probably pretty deep, honestly, just because I'm thinking about the other ones, and they were all, like, six deep with four NBA players, so it probably Well, they had those. the one when Marvin um, Williams was the second pick in the draft, and he, he was, didn't even he was start. A sixth man. Yeah. yeah, it was a sandwich, but like, quote unquote, sixth. I mean, just, you know, because there were also a lot of other NBA players on the team. Like Tyler Hansborough was on that team. Ty Lawson was on that team. Wayne Ellington was on that team. Uh, these guys all played in the NBA. So just uh, I'm sure, you know, a couple of the other guys did, too. So it's just kind of interesting. And so they're, they're the only kind of like, quote unquote, deep team. And everybody else, it's like they're they're shallow, I guess, would be the right way to put it, because it's the opposite. Um, they play six. They play their best guys to the absolute limit because their best guys are really good. And that's, I don't even know if that's like saying anything that would surprise people or that people would think about things a different way. I'll give you a team that's super deep and that plays a ton of guys that people really like. It's funny that Colin likes this team with, despite the three man stuff, Auburn plays a million guys. They play, they're one of the leaders in the country in terms of playing guys off the bench and playing so many different combinations. Uh, my opinion would just be tough to win that way in the tournament. I'd rather have like a really small number of excellent players and I get 20 rests for them during the game than win like in the regular season when people are exhausted and you're going Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever you got schedule wise, hostile environments, and you can run out a lot of different lineups. You can tire the other team out. Harder to do that in the NCAA tournament, play Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, you get a few more days off ton of stoppages it's hard to run a team out of the gym when you uh when you do that so the bench part comes in and that that relates to what colin was doing too now tell me something can uh to deep versus shallow um it seems like one of the critiques of uconn this year is that uconn is not as deep as they were last year i think what you're going to say is that it really who, who cares basically once you get into the tournament and you've got a billion good players potentially and, and, and a coach now with, with a national championship on his resume just as like a uconn specific point they're uh they're just they're interesting. 
they're they're talented enough to win. I don't think anybody who watches them, I think there's no question about that. Um, and I think there are teams that are not talented enough. Iowa State would be a team. Like uh, the three-man stuff's great. Maybe they make the final four. Maybe they make a deep run. I They don't strike me at all as a winner. I don't think they have enough good players to be a winner. And I could be wrong about that, but like I'm going to I'm gonna approach them that way. That's my opinion about them. Um, UConn's got enough talent, obviously. Uh, they are a little, like they do go pretty deep in terms of they're kind of like in between. It's a little weird. Um, it doesn't look like how champions look sometimes in just in that way, but in, in the end, like they're going to, they're going to fit comfortably in any test that you're going to run. It's just, uh, I said in the first hour, it's just this, the specter of last year's team is just chasing them. And like, are they going to, are they going to be worse than last year? And then I'm just going to be out. Uh, and that's going to, by the way, if that happens, because if let's say, uh, let's say UConn loses a couple games here, be like, Ken, what if UConn struggles down the stretch? What if they, uh, what if they don't play very well? Yesterday, I basically made a point of being talking about how how many teams I didn't like and why I didn't like them. Be like, well, who would you bet then? Like, let's say UConn struggles. What are you going to bet Purdue? You're going to bet Houston? You bet whatever? Um, I bet Arizona, and that would be it probably at this point. That would be the only other team I'd be interested in. They're just they look perfect as a winner. I mean, they just look. I just if Tommy Lloyd wasn't the coach and we hadn't had Princeton last year, like blind resume. Here's a team. Be like, I'd take them over UConn. Honestly, like blind resume wise, statistically right now, not that if they played Arizona would definitely win or would even be favored, but just like the look of a champion, if you want to, it sounds kind of weird, but that, that's what I mean um, on a sheet of paper. Hey, here, here are 10, here are the be- 10 best teams in the country. We're not going to tell you their names. We're not going to tell you who the coaches are, but here's all your criteria. And here are the 10 teams. Arizona would be the first team I pick. Wouldn't, wouldn't even be close. How would Ed Sheeran describe how Arizona looks? I don't know. Which one are you going for here? He's got you too many the songs. songs. The, you, yeah. the one that you hate that I like. Uh, what's the one that I hate? What do I hate? <laughs> they look perfect. Oh, yeah. Tonight. This is the ballads. <laughs> I don't like the ballads. Yeah. We like face Bad Habits, Shivers. I like both of those. Two fifteen. Like, the... Yeah, gross. Here's every wedding for the last ten years. Right, got it. Okay, I gotta great. tell you, I normally yeah. hate songs like that. I I actually really like that song from from Ed Sheeran. I mean, like, it can be a good parts. song, but like, so if it can't, like, you're. Uh, when do you listen to music the most? Um, I guess when I'm like I'm in, when I'm in the car, when I'm at the Driving. gym, like when I'm in the car, I would say, yeah, when I'm in the car. Well, the the gym would be really funny with this. I was gonna say if that song comes on, you don't skip, you listen to the whole thing. No, I probably yeah, I probably skip. I skip in like one change note. Change the channel. I can I can yeah. name that tune in one note. I skip 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 I probably skip, ch- skip. I probably change the channel. To be to You're be fair, you're probably right about doing, that. Doing like the bench. <laughs> Bench in these weights. <laughs> Put on another <laughs> plate. <laughs> it's a, it's a good, it is a good song. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, all right. You better, you better. You were Nick and Ken. College basketball futures. All right. So, look, uh, all these teams are kind of flawed, right? There's yeah. no team that's been more flawed. Let's, I'll have a little story time here. Oh. Than our, than our, than our friends. The Purdue Boilermakers. I actually, I, our story begins in 1992, which is the first year that young Nick Costos, at nine years old, and I and I remember like vividly watching Duke Kentucky with my late father, and my dad had uh, Duke 
in his bra- in his office pool where he used to work in poor Washington on Long Island, and his boss had Kentucky in the regional final, and that would basically decided who won the office pool. Leitner hit the shot. I remember watching it with them, and like that was really great. My dad won the office pool. I had that year. I'm like nine years old, whatever. Like just getting into college basketball really for a couple years at that point. Took Indiana with with Calbert Cheney. One of the one seeds and Indiana did not did not make the final four. That was my my first experience with heartbreak in the in the NCAA tournament. So we'll fast forward a couple of years. The first year I ever won an office pool, 1994, which is the year that Arkansas uh, beat Duke in the national championship game, the Grand Hill Duke team, and I really thought that Purdue was going to the Final Four that year. Duke beat Purdue in the Elite Eight. And that's Calper Cheney. And that's, did Napoli just score? Yes. Put it on the board. You jerks. Yes. <laughs> Napoli interrupted yes. story time. Well, <laughs> they like, interrupted but, but story did, time. Is it a goal? They, ha- they haven't put the goal on the board yet. Is he off? Yes. 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 Okay. Sorry. So, so back to the early Glenn, 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're traveling back in time, 2024 to 94. I thought that Gene Keady and his hairpiece... And Glenn Bidwakato, one of the great toupees in the history Katie? of toupees. Is that how you pronounce it? Katie? Like, Gene Katie. What did I say? Katie? Yeah. Gene Katie, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, great, great hair piece. Glenn Bid, Big Dog Robinson. I thought they were going to the Final Four. They lose to no. Duke in the Elite Eight. And that would kind of like set the stage for years of Purdue futility in the NCAA tournament. How about like 1996? People forget about this This game. Purdue is the one seed in their region. Lose to Georgia in the second round. Georgia would end up ultimately playing John Wallace in Syracuse in the game when John Wallace had the buzzer beater as Syracuse went on to the national championship game and would lose, obviously, to Rick Pitino and Kentucky. They were the number one of the number one seeds in 1998. Lost to Stanford. And route to Stanford, making the Final Four. That's the Utah-Kentucky. Uh, that's the Tubby Smith National Championship with Kentucky. 2011, getting absolutely blitzed by VCU. 2016, going down to Chris Beard. Not Texas Tech. Arkansas, Little Rock. We can go to 2021, losing to North Texas. Obviously, 2022, losing to St. Peter's. And last year, the 116 debacle against FDU. But, Ken, I want to take the story to 2019. Because maybe, just maybe, like the funhouse mirror version of, of what could have happened in college basketball, what happens if Diakite does not make that shot for Virginia? If yeah. Virginia does not get that incredibly fortunate series of events at the very end of that game, you know, Virginia goes on to win the national championship. Could that have been Matt Painter, Carson Edwards, who dropped like 45 points in that game, Celtics by the way. Celtics great. Yeah. Celtics. <laughs> He played a little like, bit. I always thought he, he was going to make it. Undersized guard. I guess it was, was well, going to be tough for him. But because it was 40 points in a big NCAA tournament yeah. game, you'd think he could probably at least score in the NBA. What happens if that game goes differently? Does Purdue take down Auburn in the national semifinal? Do they get revenge against Chris Beard and Texas Tech in the national championship game? Maybe. Purdue has run the gamut. They've lost in they've actually lost in every way imaginable, basically, and route to the final four. Almost all of them making it to like the cusp of getting there, and they've lost in the first round at a one sixteen. Zach Eady's back this year. They've got guards that can stroke it from downtown. I think this is it, man. 
I don't know if they're going to win the title. I think they're getting to the Final Four in my bracket, at least. I don't know. The price sucks to bet them, obviously. But I think I'm going to pick them to win it in my bracket. I think it's time for Purdue to exercise the demons. And we're going to be like Seabass Man in Dumb and Dumber, making a couple Boilermakers, baby. Purdue. And maybe Houston also. But Purdue. It's time. <laughs> it's time to paint the mask. And maybe Houston. Barkley. And maybe Tennessee. And, and, and maybe UConn. And, and, and maybe and Arizona. Maybe Arizona. <laughs> maybe Arizona. Not Tennessee. Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is a bridge too far. So it's just, I'm yeah. I, I'm gonna pick Purdue to win my bracket. I won't. Like, the, the price is stupid. But I'm yeah. I'm gonna pick Purdue. Wait till the region price comes out. Be like, oh, I'm gonna bet them to win their region. What are they? Minus one fifty. Oh, <laughs> 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 sounds great. And then guess what? Yeah. And then what are they gonna do? Lose in the first round. It's gonna right, be awesome. Exactly. Perdon't. Right. Yeah, oh man, exactly. uh, Perdon't do it. Well, too late. I'm in. Thanks, well, tournament history there too. Purdue just runs yeah. the, runs through the a thread that runs through the entire NCAA tournament. I got. I still remember all these. Like for when you're a kid, like I remember all of these, all of these games, all of the losses, all of the wins. On the other side, we'll turn our attention to the National Hockey League. The host of the NHL on TNT, Liam McHugh, joins Nick and Ken. I mean, the ageless wonder, Sam Rosen, with the call last night on MSG. Literally been doing that since I started watching the Rangers in the early '90s. It's a power play goal. Ah. Uh, Rangers win last night against Dallas. Eighth straight win. Don't look now. Igor's awesome again. Rangers maybe going to win the cup for the first time since 94. Ken and I will talk about uh, how we're filling out our bracket right now in the NHL coming up a little later in the show. Liam McHugh, the host of the NHL on TNT, will join us in just a moment to talk all things National Hockey League. Our friend Rick Camp will stop by to start hour number three on the show, giving us bets for the quote-unquote second half of the NBA season, which is all of a... 26 games. We'll talk some National Football League a little later in the show. Coach of the Year market for next year. Open at our show sponsor, BetMGM. All our bets for tonight in College Hoops and the National Hockey League coming up at the end of the show in the final hour, the Power Hour. But joining us right now, it's always, always awesome to welcome to the show the great Liam McHugh, who's the host of the NHL on TNT, the studio show, which is absolutely tremendous, featuring luminaries like the great Paul Bissonnette, Anson Carter, the King Henrik Lundqvist, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, an unbelievable studio show, and we love having Liam McHugh as a part of the You Better You Bet family on Twitter at Liam underscore McHugh. And TNT's got a badass doubleheader coming up tonight with the Flyers and the Blackhawks, and then the main event is the Bruins and the Oilers. Absolutely can't wait for it. I think Ken and I both have a bet on that game that we like. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Liam, welcome back to You Better You Bet. Nick Costos, Ken Barkley, my friend, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, always awesome to be on. It's, it, listen, you're right. It's so cool to hear Sam Rosen still delivering, man. Uh, you know I'm a New Yorker as well. So to hear that voice, uh, even though I'm an Islanders fan, it, it just takes me back. And he's still bringing it. And Rangers look real good right now, my friend. We, we won't yeah, bring up what happened this weekend, Ken. We won't do that to Liam and talk about what happened this weekend with the Rangers and sure. the Islanders. We would never do that. Yeah, of course. Why would we ever do that? Uh, Rangers rolling, obviously. You mentioned, Liam. You and, you and Nick, both New York fans. Uh, seems like this year especially, like last year, for example, it's like, oh, who's the best team? At least in the regular season. Who's the best team? I would have been like, well, Boston. Like they're a record-setting team. And you would have, you know, Colorado before that, the year, you know, a couple of years before that, Tampa. Before that, there's been kind of like an obvious best team, like whenever you would ask people that question. That doesn't feel like the case this year. And this doesn't have to be who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Maybe we can do that later. But just who do you think is the best team you've seen so far this season? I would say that I think it's Florida. I really do. Uh, and I know Vancouver's had an incredible season. And 
Rick Tockett's their coach, and, you know, he was on the show for, you know, a year and a half. He's a good friend, and I'm, I'm so excited for all the success he's had there. Uh, they've lost a few in a row. But when I look at Florida, I see a team that at the beginning of the year had a couple of injuries. Uh, they also played a ton of hockey last year. And you guys remember the Stanley Cup final, the end of last year. I mean, you know, Matthew Kachuk basically had his chest caved in, and he was trying to play through, like, you know, broken bones. and it looked. I mean, he looked just mangled. And so he had no summer to really work out, so he got off to a slow start. But here they are. They have the most points in the East. And the cool thing about this is they, from game one in October, all the way through the Stanley Cup final, they want to play the same way, which is playoff hockey. They are intense. They're in your face. They're, they're a pain. They're, like, they're an irritant. They, they want to bother you. They want to get under your skin. And to me, just mentally, the ability to do that right from the start, I mean, certainly you just want to take a game off and coast or at least just rely on your skill, they don't do that. Uh, they're geared up. Their coach, Paul Maurice, is excellent. Uh, and Sergey Bobrovsky, who was so good in the playoffs, has already been good during the regular season. So, to me, it's not clear-cut like it was last year. And I, I do think, you know, it's certainly a lot more wide open after that. But I, I do think Florida, for my money right now, the best team in the NHL. And the Panthers have won six consecutive games. The current favorites to win the President's Trophy to finish the regular season with the most points, about 3-1 to one to, uh, to to achieve the most points in the regular season and win the aforementioned President's Trophy. Uh, Liam, asking this question because Ken and I are going to talk about this later in the show, and this can very much be a pencil, not pen answer by you here because we have, we have a lot of time left, obviously, until we get to the postseason. So Florida's the best team right now. But do you think Florida's going to win the Stanley Cup? Liam, we're putting you on the spot right now in this pencil, not pen, right? Who's going to win Lord Stanley's Cup? I got a hard time going against Edmonton. And uh, this Love is the it. first time in a long time that I've, looked at, uh, that I've looked at the standings this point in the season where you're a couple weeks away from the trade deadline and then the playoff push. Uh, and I'm looking at a team that is third in their division, that is 13 points out of first place, and I still look at them, and I don't see how, as constructed, and maybe they even get a little better at the deadline. They add some depth pieces. Uh, but the way they play right now, which is obviously they have the best player on the planet in Connor McDavid, and he could turn a game on its head you know, in an absolute flash. But they have Leon Dreisaitl, who's a top-five player. But they play a different style now. When they went on that massive winning streak, they were holding teams to un, you know, two goals or less every single night. Uh, their goaltending is so much better. And the cool thing about this is we started to see this with McDavid in the playoffs a couple of years ago, playing with that edge. You know, we didn't know if he had that in him. We knew he could score. We knew he could dazzle. Uh, but he comes and brings that. He is gritty. He wants to get in people's faces. He wants to motivate. Hates losing. I mean, every athlete hates it, but he's like Jordan-like with the hatred of losing. Uh, I, I just I feel like they've also – you mentioned Colorado. Colorado, for a while, they were Nathan McKinnon. Like, they went through their playoff bumps and lumps and they took them and they were pissed off about it and they came back and won. And now it feels like it's Edmonton's turn. Uh, I just, I, I see this happening for them. And I don't know. I mean, I'm rarely right about these things, but I, I got a feeling pretty early on about this team right now. If they can stay healthy, this is their year. 
Liam, you mentioned McDavid there, best player on the planet. I don't think there's any argument there. A three-time Hart Trophy winner, obviously won last year, having like a, just a monster record-setting kind of statistical season. Hasn't kind of been the case this year. Obviously had that oh, a six-assist game, something like that the other day, but missed some time with injury, which probably hurt him in terms of this year's Hart Trophy. And sort of like the Bruins last year, right? Like, ask you who the best team is? Well, it's the Bruins, duh, in the regular season. Ask you who the MVP is last year. It's, it's McDavid. It's not even close. He had almost sewn up the award by this time last year. That's not the case this year. Nathan McKinnon's the favorite to win the Hart Trophy in the market. There's polls that come out. He's gotten a lot more of the votes than the other players. But Colorado hasn't played very well recently. Big win last night over Vancouver, but before that hadn't played very well. McKinnon's still the favorite, but between him, Nikita Kucherov from Tampa, McDavid trying to win his fourth, Austin Matthews, who just like, can't stop scoring goals recently, maybe feels like the four of them. Liam, do you have a, a favorite, a guy that you like maybe more than the other three to win the Hart Trophy at the end of the year? You know, you mentioned uh, the recent play of Colorado, and I've been monitoring that as well because I, I think before that, I would have given you a clear-cut answer that it's McKinnon uh, because he just seems like he's this man on a mission. He's never won a regular season MVP. Uh, he's a player who, when he takes the ice, he looks possessed, and, and this season he's been that way and he's played that way. Uh, and, you know, a chance to obviously lead the league in points, and, you know, he's neck and neck with Kucherov right now, and his team is playing better than Kucherov's. Um, I still think he right now is the favorite, uh, but I would say this. McDavid is, a, what, I think 11 points back of the points lead. He has 30 games to go, and I know the guys ahead of him score at a massive rate, but when you mention the fact that he got six assists in a single game and he's capable of doing that on any night, do not count him out. He also seems like the type of guy where, like, you know, you, you, we feel like maybe these guys don't worry about because they've won scoring titles and they've won MVPs. They don't care. I think McDavid wants everything. I think he wants to win everything. So he can make a run right now. He can win the scoring title. All of a sudden, he could be the MVP favorite. The wild card really is Austin Matthews. Because if you told me that a player in the marquee team in the NHL up in Toronto, the guy who's the center of all that attention, has the potential to score 70 goals, which it looks like he could do and not win the MVP, it would be a ludicrous statement at the beginning of the season. You would, you'd put him in, yeah, you'd sharpie that in. He would absolutely win MVP. Uh, so I think if he reaches 70, he's right there neck and neck. I think if McDavid wins the scoring title, McDavid wins it. Uh, but if you had to ask me right now, I would lean McKinnon, uh, and I think it's his right now. And if he can hang on to the scoring title, and if Colorado can stay strong down the stretch, he should still take it. If if Austin Matthews scores 70 goals and doesn't win the Hart Trophy, I am personally going to open up a federal investigation into, into, into why that does not happen. <laughs> well, they're it's in like, Canada. Would have to be a, a multinational. Right have to be an international investigation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You better. You better here with Nick and Ken on a Wednesday talking the NHL with Liam McHugh, the host of the NHL on TNT on Twitter at Liam underscore McHugh. Liam, we got about sixty to ninety seconds left. Would love your thoughts on both games coming up tonight. Your guys' doubleheader on TNT. The Flyers, uh, pretty big favorites in Chicago at the Blackhawks, looking for revenge for the 2010 Stanley Cup Final. And then we've got the Bruins and the Oilers in the nightcap. Great game, 1990 Stanley Cup Final rematch. The Bruins looking for revenge in that game uh thought can the Blackhawks pull the upset against Philly and what do you think about Boston and Edmonton here Edmonton a small home favorite tonight in about a minute to go all right I'll, I'll be quick on the Philadelphia one I, I think the Flyers win uh they lost in the outdoor game over the weekend John Tortorella had already moved on and said he's scared of this Chicago game and the reason he's scared is because everyone's looking past them because the 
worst team in the league. Connor Bedard, uh, who's going to win rookie of the year, is playing lights out since returning for a broken jaw. So he's worried about that, which means he's been on his guys. I think Philadelphia's going to bring it tonight. I think they win in Chicago. Uh, the late game, interesting. Boston got a big win the other day, and it helped a lot. Charlie McAvoy played really well in that game, and that's going to be a big boost. But I- I'm telling you, I'm-, I'm on this Oilers bandwagon right now. I love the way they're playing. Uh, I think it's a marquee midweek game. Uh, they've got it circled. They know they're playing this Boston Bruins team. They're going to be up for it. Uh, they get decent enough goaltending, and they've been getting that lately. I think they win this game, and I think McDavid and Dreisaitl both have big nights. Uh, I like the Oilers to win tonight. So I'll go Flyers, Oilers for our picks for tonight. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm – I can't wait to see how Stuart Skinner performs tonight in, in, in this big spot here. Edmonton's going to need him to start playing better entering the postseason if the Oilers want to win. I had Principal Skinner to win, to win a Stanley Cup championship. Also, Steve Kern in the early 90s in the WWF. Uh, Liam, great job as always on the show. We appreciate your time on Twitter at Liam underscore McHugh. Everyone needs to check it out tonight, the doubleheader on TNT. Liam will be hosting the studio show with the guys. Uh, and and uh, again, on Twitter at Liam underscore McHugh. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great broadcast tonight. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Liam McHugh joining us here on You Better, You Bet. As I set the North American record for most times saying one person's Twitter <laughs> handle in like 40 seconds. What is it again? There's an underscore, I, right? Is that all it is? I don't is know. Like, I like, I haven't done the show like that much recently, so sometimes I find myself in the I thought you were going to say where... the games. I thought you were going to say like, and the telecast tonight on TNT. And then they were like, and again, on Twitter. And <laughs> well, I find myself in this spot where I've, I've painted myself into a verbal corner. It's yeah. like, well, I'm either, I either have to say I have to say something. I can't, like, right. not speak. It's usually so, flawless. That's why it stands out, because it's usually flawless, to be fair. Oh, I appreciate it, buddy. All right, uh, hour number three coming up next. We'll start it talking NBA. We'll get bets for the second half of the season with our family member, the great Rick Camp.